Good Vibes Cinema presents Vibe Talking. Hey party people, welcome back to another exciting episode of Season 2 of Vibe Talking, a podcast about films with off-the-charts vibes, films from the golden age of adult cinema. I'm Vic Terry, executive producer of Good Vibes Cinema and the host of this program here, and I'm joined by my friend, neighbor, and co-host, Manny V. What's going on there, puppy dogs and kitty cats? Meow. Ooh, love that. Especially with the voice. I feel like that brought a whole new dimension to it. Uh, ooh. <laughs> All right, and tonight we are covering the 1975 film Sometime Sweet Susan. It stars my favorite actor, Harry Reams. Yeah, get at you, boy. And uh, Sean Harris, who... Made one movie and dropped off the face of the earth. I can't find anything about this chick. You know, I'm really even questioning if she actually existed. You know, with all this AI stuff going on lately. Oh, I'm God. I'm like, was she a real person or was she the first AI actress? Damn. Asking the real question. But it is a real movie. We did really watch it. And we have to assume she was a real person at some point. <laughs> she just flashed into existence and then gone. Dang. I'm so intrigued. I, I want to know. <laughs> I want the tea. Or maybe I don't. It might ruin my enjoyment of the film. I mean, we've got to have something interesting for people to listen to on this episode. So there you go. Conspiracy theories are what you're going to get. Or not. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, so this movie is kind of bizarre. I don't think it is that great of a movie. I mm-hmm. think it's a very boring movie. I mm-hmm. feel like there's not a lot going on in it, mm-hmm. but I feel like we'll still find a lot to say. Yeah. Um, We're but- very opinionated people, so <laughs> if you didn't know by now, uh, that's what it is. Deal with it. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about this movie, a uh, couple things, is because I am very fascinated by just the vibe that went into this this movie is taking itself so seriously and it was the first pornographic film to be screen actors guild certified so this is like a very legitimate movie everybody in it is union and the whole like marketing campaign of this movie when it came out was like this is a real movie Yeah. So that, I think, you know, as we have in the past and will continue to discuss, like, the, you know, artistic credibility of these films, the legitimacy of pornography as, like, a film genre, um, I think this is super relevant and interesting in that regard. And also, because of that mindset, I feel like that really affected the way that they made this movie. And that will definitely contribute to our sex and story balance discussion that we keep coming back to. Well, and because this was a union production, an interesting fact about it, every time you jerk off to this movie, the actors, writer, directors, and producers, they all get residuals. So crank them out. These people need their checks. 
the notable thing about this movie, there's there's a chance people listening have heard of this movie before, and the reason why is because of its affiliation with Taxi Driver. Uh, that is actually why I got this movie. I have the DVD. was because I love Taxi Driver, as you all should know at this point, and as we discussed extensively in the Sex World episode. <laughs> Travis I... Bickle was the original girl joker. God, I want to go on that date so bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Will someone please take Vic on a date to see a pornographic movie in a theater? You'll win Vic's heart forever. You know what? I actually did have that experience briefly. I yeah. went to the, that hump festival in LA. <laughs> and the moment of walking into the theater and there was like the curtain and it kind of peeked away and you saw the screen and I was just like, <gasps> and it was There's so There's going to be people exciting. naked and fucking on the other side. And then we like walking in and taking our seats and like it was so like, oh, it was so good. And then every it was... time you heard someone zipper unzip, a little tingle ran down your spine. <laughs> Tragically, the entrance to that was a lot more exciting and a lot spicier than the actual content that we witnessed. Which is a perfect summation <laughs> of this movie. Very the true. anticipation of like, oh, this was one of the pornos from Taxi Driver, from the Taxi Driver double bill. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, oh, okay. Which, uh, should we give a little uh, trigger warning at this point? We should, yes. So we have not yet discussed the actual film yet. But as we get into that, there is some gnarly stuff going on in here. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's it's a movie about um, sexual assault and trauma and um, just how that can deeply affect someone. And also it deals with mental illness Kind of the thing I was worried about was the way that it approached it, but you summed it up perfectly when you said that it has a more classy approach to it than you would have expected. Yeah, so the premise of this movie is Harry Reams plays a psychologist working in a, for lack of a better word, insane asylum or... Mental institution. Uh, yeah. They... Or psychiatric hospital. Okay. But it's the pre-Reagan uh, administration, so this is in the day where there's funding cuts and, you know, the care of the patients and the comfort it, and, and it everything. It feels very not... one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the vibe I'm getting here. Which... Like, if it wasn't for Harry Reams, these patients would be living in their own filth. Yeah, I don't like that. That right there, I feel like we need a warning. This, that's an uncomfortable vibe. Like, no, yeah. I um, mean, for an adult film, for an erotic movie, this definitely goes down some paths that are not that arousing. Like, yeah. are, that are a lot more uncomfortable than they yeah, are honestly, alluring. I did, did not find this sexy at all. But with that being said, I also did not find it too horrible, <laughs> which I thought it might have been. Because, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, it's a porno in an institution. Like, who's going to be having sex in this movie? And mm-hmm. with whom? You know? Like, that yeah. sounds pretty sketch. But that was actually not the case. So Harry Reams plays the doctor. He's 
really invested in his work, just like a really sweet, sensitive, caring man. And he has this patient that he's very intrigued by, Susan, who has multiple personalities, and she's completely shut down from a traumatic experience that we don't know about until the end of the film. Uh, and he's trying to get through to her. And that's the whole movie is like them kind of talking, him him talking to his colleagues and his wife like about how he's feeling as he's working on this case and trying to get to the bottom of things and trying to help her. And at no point does he cross any lines. I mean, I guess maybe just his dialogue is a little, for, for contemporary... Yeah, like it is. It is something where, like, they definitely could have pushed the boundaries a lot further, given given the uh, genre. They don't have sex, is what I'm saying. Um, the only sex that you see between these two actors is her fantasizing about her hot doctor. Yeah, he is not having these fantasies, and the but two it's also, characters are not interacting in that way. It's also clear that part of the reason for his interest in her is because he is attracted to her. Um, his, his boss even makes a reference to that, you know, like, would you care as much about this patient if she, you know, wasn't as attractive? Because he refers to another patient of his, somebody who, um, has, I don't know what the disorder would be, but, but he keeps joking about how his other patient thinks he's Mussolini and, you know, he's constantly giving updates on, on what's what this patient is wanting him to do or telling him or whatever his delusions are. And he doesn't hold that patient in the same regard as Susan. But yeah, they... Like, Susan was found in, like, a catatonic state in some hotel in, like, the next town over. And the authorities, like, turned her over to the psychiatric hospital. Because for whatever reason, it takes them about two weeks to run someone's print. (laughs) And this, uh, and this reality that that they're living in, and so in the meantime, they're just like, yeah, no, until she tells you who she is, I guess just keep her locked up in the loony bin, and you know we'll get back to you whenever we figure something out. Yeah, not cool. I mean, there there is quite a bit of like commentary on bureaucracy going on in this movie, a lot more than you would expect because they talk about budget cuts that they keep putting in orders, requests for more chairs, and they're just not getting delivered. And the police, like, just keep losing the prints that they send into them. And they're like, yeah, no, we didn't get shit. I guess printer again, send them over. We'll see what we can do. It's sort of bleak, but Harry Reams, he's a doctor. His name's Mark. And he's not he's not pretentious about it at all because when he first gets introduced, you know, he tells the nurse, she keeps calling him doctor. And he's like, hey, it's Mark. Just call me Mark. So he's like very warm. He's very friendly. And he really brings a lot of light into this film in an otherwise pretty dark story. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things to where as as the plot sort of progresses you know, things keep getting darker and darker. You start to kind of get more glimpses into Susan's background and start to understand her relationship with her other personality, Sandra. Kind of realizing, like, what birthed that split personality. Like, that's it's pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. Which, again, it's at odds with a movie that is also at the same time trying to present sex in a, in a sort of alluring illicit kind of way right i honestly don't know like i (laughs) i am again more 
Fucking, I can't stop thinking about, I thought it was interesting from I Think You Should Leave. I, I think about it all the time. That voice just is in my head. Like, he says it's like in a skit and the guy's like, hey, you're the one who said this was going to be funny. I said it would be interesting. <laughs> and that's how I feel about this movie. You're like, hey, why do you want to cover this on the podcast? Is it a good movie? It's an interesting movie. Yeah. Um, well, it's difficult because with these movies, like, again, the thing for me is I I am just accustomed to contemporary porn. Like, you know, a lot of stuff I watched was like VHS tapes and DVDs from the 90s and 2000s. And now... You've got literally anything, any fantasy you could ever imagine is available to you on the internet. A lot of times just for free. So going back to a time period where you didn't have a proliferation of porn, like if you wanted to see graphic depictions of sex, you had to go into a dark theater uh, where there are other men around where you could possibly be arrested for being in there, especially if like the police came in while you're in the middle of jacking it. And so it, it's interesting, like, seeing these movies and just kind of trying to do reverse psychology on, like, what exactly were they going yeah, for? Yeah, that this? is what I'm trying to figure out here. Because, you know, obviously we all have our own preferences. We find different things to be sexy. And, like, as a modern audience, you know, looking at, the, looking at these films, yeah, okay, this is pretty tame by today's standards, you know? So I yeah. get why people might be... Nowadays, people might be like, okay, this isn't that hot. But that's not my statement here. That's not my critique of this film or anything. I'm more trying to figure out deep throughout, like, had a specific goal. It's like, we're trying to be funny, which I do find it funny, and we're trying to be sexy. And I did and find it sexy. And most of it worked until you, know? you get to the coke scene. Agreed. <laughs> um, but this movie, it's like, I truly don't know if it's supposed to be sexy because the story is sad. The premise is very dark and like pretty disturbing and the sex scenes are not even shot in a particularly provocative way i almost feel like this movie is trying to i think it's trying to figure out what type of movie it is or should be you know yeah I mean, I feel like this was trying to show that we can have a mainstream, award-worthy film that also has sex in it and try to, like, I don't know if there was this goal of trying to basically destigmatize showing depictions of sex. I definitely think that they were doing that. The thing about it is we've talked about so many of these movies about the balance of sex and story. And this is certainly a movie that, with the exception of maybe a couple of scenes, really just one scene, you could have this entire movie without any sex scenes in it at all. And it's Mm -hmm. not going to fundamentally change the plot. And even in that one scene, you don't have to show it. But it is the way that they show it that shows that there was a lot of ambition in what they're trying to do. And it almost feels like because of the two lead actors that they cast in this, Sean Harris and Harry Reams, that it almost felt to them like, well, yeah, we have to have sex in this now. We've got one of the main studs in the industry and this cover girl. Like, we'd be crazy not to take advantage of what they're most well known for. So maybe that is originally like the idea. Because the other thing about it is, 
it says in the credits, and and when I told you this, I was I was surprised that you were surprised, but it says in the credits based on a novel of the same name, and I've tried to find any evidence of the novel, and I haven't been able to find it so far. And a lot of the comments and reviews that that talk about this film, nobody makes any mention of the novel. So it almost feels like the novel was written maybe at the same time the script was written. And then they just kind of threw that in there to give it a little bit more legitimacy. I don't know. There's <laughs> a lot of promo. There's a lot of questions and speculations that that we have. But overall, after I watched it the first time, I watched a different cut than what I ended up watching. When I watched the second cut, I gained a lot more appreciation for the movie, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with the fact that. There are really skeezy things that they could have done with this movie because certainly there are porns that are set in psychiatric hospitals and the whole idea of basically like someone being in a position to where they really can't consent to whatever whatever sex is happening to them. This film does not tread down that path. Yeah, it's a little bit questionable like when... When Harry Reams does start to express like some of the attraction that he has towards Susan, but it never gets to a point to where, to me, it felt particularly well, problematic. Even that, I think, because okay, the thing that I think is problematic about his dynamic with her is it's a little bit—I don't even want to say flirtatious. Even though there will be like flirty statements being made, like saying that she looks pretty or like he'll refer to like them going on a walk as like going on a date or like, you know, like he'll say things like that. But it felt to me like how an old man talks to a little girl, which I think is gross and creepy and weird. Um, especially in, especially and now. And you're not wrong. I agree but, like, with you. You know what I'm talking about, yes, right? Like yeah. that old man is not legitimately like, oh, being gonna, a predator. You're going to make a husband like, happy one day. Yes. You know, stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. Those kind of like weird statements that it's like, ew, why would you say that? You know? But at the same time, it's like... If I was 50 like, years younger... Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like any of that. <laughs> I think where he reached across the line the most was when he was literally, you know, touching her. Physically touching her. Because just... Like touching her leg or like... Yeah, okay. yeah. Like touching her hand, touching her leg... And, you know, sitting down on the bed with her and everything, like, that was just kind of crossing a little bit of a line. And I feel like that's that's an area where maybe the film could have explored that a little bit further. And even, even taken it to a point to where you start to get the sense that he's being very tempted and he's really fighting, like, his, you know, his attraction. And it's butting up against his duty to his patients and his professionalism. Yeah. Uh, there's like that's very lightly hinted at, and I think they should have explored that a little bit more. And I think at the same time they should have explored that, like they hint at this, but they never make it that overt. So in a lot of her flashbacks, it shows her with this guy that it's very clear she really liked a lot. These are like fond memories for her, but it's a guy named Johnny. Um, the cut that I watched, the movie starts off with the two of them kind of running around. And, you know, keeps cutting back to them just kind of having this picnic day together. And it's clear that she had love for him. But she says later on in the film that Sandra kind of pushed her away from him to keep 
her from hurting him. It gets a little bit confusing. Susan made the decision to leave him so that Sandra couldn't hurt him. That was what I felt like they were saying. Yeah, and it's and it's basically like what what they were going for was that because of abuse she suffered at the hands of her stepfather that her mother was powerless to stop. It caused her to have this split personality and that Susan was the sweet girl that, you know, used to curl up on the couch with her mother on Tuesdays and watch movies together. And Sandra was the, you know, the more nymphomaniac side where, you know, because of the sexual dysfunction she experienced because of molestation, that, you know, she expressed that with prostitution, with promiscuity, and it led her to this you know, traumatically damaging event that gets revealed at the end of the film. Yeah. Which, again, is really heavy stuff. It is very heavy. This doesn't sound hot at all, (laughs) right? And I, again, I don't think it is. And that's the thing I want to throw out there, too. Not only do I feel like they handled the dynamic with Harry Reams pretty well, you know, for the most part. Yeah. I even feel like the... I feel like I'm having a hard time, like, even figuring out what I'm trying to say it's because I'm so confused film. by this movie. It's so, very perplexing. So, okay, here's what I feel like, and I think maybe you're going to hate this because I feel like this is not what you meant with the diegetic sex scenes. I All feel right. like... <laughs> let, me, uh, let me prepare myself for what you're about to throw at me. Well, All right, you go. you said that. You said, you know, like, I think that's how porn should be, like, that these sex scenes just, like, weave their way into the story and it's, like, feels super organic and, like, I agree. Like, I'm yeah. not opposed to that. But I feel like that's kind of what this movie thinks it's doing maybe it's not actually doing that obviously not effectively but i feel like it thinks it's doing that and then what it ends up giving us are these like weirdly unmotivated like every scene that harry reams has with his wife who's just so obnoxious i can't deal with her um (laughs) i guess we'll get into that but like it feels like every time they have sex it's just like well she's his wife would you not be having sex? Like, oh, we're just going to have a normal conversation. And while we're doing it, we're going to bang. But it's like there's nothing about their sex scene that is, like, adding something about their relationship dynamic or there's, like, tension or power in the scene, you know, like, that's going on around it. It's more just, like, they're talking about work and then at some point they're just like, well... We should probably fuck. Which, like, that is very realistic. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that it's not, it, but, like, it's it was not very narratively fact, interesting, like, you know? Yeah, it was, like, I don't want to say that it was unsexy, but it was, like, unspectacular in the way that you would expect, like, in a porn film, you know, because it's it's dealing with fantasy that there's a certain amount of, like, build-up to it, anticipation, and... With this, there's not really that. And it is a bit true to, like, you know, just standard relationship dynamics to where you might just be sitting with your partner and then you just start touching each other, start kissing and just having sex. Or, like, you know, at one point he's in the shower. She's getting impatient waiting for him. So she just strips off, gets in the shower, and then they just start going at it. And, like, that is something that, like, has literally happened to me. Like, that is something that... My understanding is pretty standard and normal. And I, I, watching it the second time around, I started to question like, okay, are they trying to communicate to us that part of the reason why he becomes so invested in Susan is because 
one, he feels an attraction to her, and maybe he's trying to understand, well, I'm happily married. Why am I feeling an attraction to one of my patients? Um, But also, two, that he's maybe not as happy in his marriage just because it's so mundane. Oh, my God. Okay, then I feel like Like, the conversations that they have, it, it definitely feels like he's humoring her. And, like, he doesn't hate his wife, but he's not especially excited to be with her. Okay, let's talk about the wife. I feel like we're going to be kind of going a little bit oh, out me? of order. Oh, me? You want to talk about me? Huh? Oh, God. Well, let's talk about me, then. Oh, my God. Okay, I feel like we're going to have to talk about this movie kind of, like, maybe a little out of order, a little messy, because, like... That's fine, because the, the movie the, itself is a little bit yeah, disjointed and, like, and out really, of order. Yeah, and, like, really, there's not really a lot of a story to this movie like it's not like things are happening in each scene that is moving the next thing forward it's like just a collection of scenes of like him and his wife having mundane interactions and then like him and his boss talking about budget cuts and then like him and susan being like oh i'm about to have a breakthrough like and then they just keep alternating those three things and then there's a rape and then the movie's over like that's the whole movie there's no build there's no arc there's no like gradually revealing it's just scene after scene after scene and so i think we kind of maybe a more effective way than going beat by beat is just like aspect by aspect right i don't know how are you feeling yeah i mean like ultimately like the most straightforward way to tell a story is to show a character who has a problem and then the various ways that they attempt to overcome their problem and then by the time they do overcome it you're able to gauge how much they've grown and changed and learned over the course of the story and this movie starts off with there's a problem there's this woman who obviously there's something very wrong with her her doctor cares enough about her to want to understand what is wrong so he can help her and then he sets about trying to figure out ways to help her but by the end of it when he learns what happened to her it's very bleak because they're just like prince came back she's this woman who's been arrested a few times for prostitution and her name actually is sandra there is no susan okay i guess we'll just turn her loose and then he says he's like dang i should have never pushed her to tell me the story yeah like it broke her brain to recount that memory to him like she's back in a catatonic state just like she was at the beginning of the film And it is something that it's unsatisfying because you don't really see this woman get the help that she clearly needs. And the doctor himself is just kind of haunted by like, did I just fuck up real bad? And the consequence is this woman who needed my help is now destroyed, irreparably harmed. (laughs) Yeah, from a narrative, like both from the standpoint of being an arousing erotic movie and also being like a satisfying narrative it fails pretty hard in both regards but i think at the same time it's trying to say thus is life yeah it's like life is not satisfying like it's it's sad and bleak and dark which is a fucking weird path to tread when you're making an erotic film Okay, I feel like that starts a whole nother conversation, okay? I feel like not only is this movie... Because I think that this movie taking itself so seriously is kind of the downfall of this movie. Oh, like, yeah. I'm not saying it needs to be a comedy, because obviously it's not. I'm not even saying it needs to be, like, a campy, theatrical, like... 
you know, the acting style of Dixie Ray or some of the characters in Sex World, you know, like, I'm not, even though I personally enjoy that, I don't think, I'm not saying that's what they should do. I don't think that would fit with this story. That's not what they're doing, you know, but I feel like it almost feels like they're like, because we're a serious movie, we have to be a boring movie is the vibe that I got. Yeah. Going back to the the preamble that we're having, I think the biggest flaw in this movie is in the direction. Yeah. Um, Because, again, like, Harry Reams, like, immediately, like, I was just drawn in by his performance. He's such a fucking good actor. Yeah. The biggest thing that you need to be an actor, especially a leading actor, is to have charisma. To be interesting to watch, to be interesting to listen to, to, to get people drawn in by just wondering like what you're doing and, and feeling like what you have to say is important. So he has that in spades. But then also like just I was watching his performance and it's funny because there's this one moment where like he kind of flubs his line, but they didn't retake it. They left it in and he does it in a natural way to where it's just like, no, like if someone's speaking, like you can literally listen to us on any podcast and at some point you're going to hear me stumble over what I'm saying. It's just a thing that fucking happens to people. And so I watched that. I rewatched. I really paid attention to his performance. And he is by far, he's giving the strongest performance in the entire movie. And it's mm-hmm. one of the better performances we've seen in anything that we watched. Yeah. And then also with Sean Harris, I felt like she did a pretty good job like trying to portray two different people trapped inside the same person. And at the same time trying to display that there's a lot of like hurt and pain and trauma that she is just haunted by. I feel like you could take her performance up a whole other notch if you had a director who was working with her and it was like, hey, these are the things that are going to make your performance really stand out if you show Susan is this, you show Sandra is that, and you know, different little things that you can give to it, little nuances that really make the two of them stand apart because the thing that they use to tell you when Susan is switched to Sandra is this like annoying little <laughs> Oh laugh. God, I was just going to say the laugh is bad. I thought that her acting was pretty good, but yeah. that was really bad. The- Especially because I feel like the laugh is so unnecessary because like I did feel like the distinction for Susan and Sandra was really clear. Like, she's doing kind of a different voice. Her physicality is completely different. Oh, yeah. She's very, like, doesn't give a shit, has, like, a way more kind of confident, sultry kind of body language. Mm -hmm. It's completely different. Well, I even noticed a thing to where, and I kind of rewatched a scene over and over when she switches as she's talking to Mark, but I feel like she did a thing with her face to make her face look slightly different as Sandra versus Susan. And a lot of it has to do with just the way the light was hitting her. Because whenever she's Susan, she's kind of like holding her head down. And she's just like, you know, very mousy. And when she's like Sandra, she's like throwing her head back and laughing. And uh, kind of like looking down out of the side of her eye at people. And it was something in the way that she carried herself to where it's just like, okay, she looks different. Because especially when it gets to the terrible rape scene at the end of the movie, when she walks into the room, she doesn't do the laugh, or at least she doesn't do it at first, but she's very clearly like, this is Sandra. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that was something that was really interesting. And again, like, what I think about this is that if you put this in the right hands, this could have been 
not like an Oscar film or anything, but it definitely could have been a film that really stood out during that time period. Yeah. And not just something that is memorable memorable because, you know, it got a shout out in Taxi Driver. Yeah. I'm also very briefly off topic, interested in the whole sitch with it being in Taxi Driver. Because they don't actually watch this movie in the film. They go to the theater and this is on the marquee. It's a double feature. This is going to be the second film and they don't make it to the second film um but there's like posters for it it's like so that's the one that like visually you would you would notice you know and the other film that they actually do end up watching there's all kinds of like discussion about like what movie actually is it is it kind of a collection of like a few different movies kind of turned into a new fake movie or whatever but this is a very real movie what happens in taxi driver is he takes this chick on a date and she's like, oh, you're going to take me to a movie? Oh, this is the theater we're going to. Okay. Like, you know, hesitant. They go in. They're watching the movie. And he's just very, like, nonchalant about it. And she's very uncomfortable. And she gets up and leaves, you know? She's like, I can't believe you took me to see this. Very much like, this is not a movie. He's, he says, well, I don't know what kind of movies you like. Just so normal. <laughs> that to him, like, it would be like, oh, I, I took her to see a comedy, but she's really more into drama. Like, I didn't know that. It's just a different I genre. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, the idea, the idea of her having the reaction that she's having is like, mind-boggling to him yeah. you know he did not think it would be weird to take her here he does not understand why she's so offended by this and this is not a character like for whoever you know has not seen the film this is not a character who's trying to get in her pants like him taking her to see this movie was not he's not even realizing how sexy this is like we talk extensively about this in the sex world episode of the podcast yeah. go listen to that but this is a person who is craving human connection and like visceral raw emotions this is yeah. a person who's having a very hard time connecting with people who's having a very hard time figuring out his own feelings and so for him to go and sit in a room full of people who are having a shared experience who are having reactions to what's on screen and seeing people in the film who are just being completely authentic and open and raw that is just something that this character craves so much and so for him, like the the idea of this being like setting the mood to bang, he's not even thinking in that way, you know? And so that reaction is like not what was anticipated. That was definitely something I was thinking about watching this was I've always loved the quote that you give in that episode. Basically what you say is it's not about him trying to trying to like jumpstart some some sort of like intimacy. It's about human connection. And for him, these films are very relatable. And he has a hard time understanding like what's relatable to other people. So he's just going with what he knows he relates to. And so that's why her reaction is so strange to him. And the way the movie, you know, in Taxi Driver, the movie is from his perspective. And so in that moment, like you see her essentially overreacting. Because she's not trying to ask him, like, hey, what was it about this movie that you thought I'd want to see? But it's more like, I can't believe you would think that I wanted to see this movie. It's it's more about a thing that he did to her than, like, a miscalculation that he made. And, again, like, just talking about human connection and the, and the various ways that we can use a medium 
to accomplish that, like literally what we're doing right now, you and I are sharing our thoughts about these experiences that we have, um, both together and individually. And then that is being, you know, shared with anybody who's listening to us right now. And it's kind of this neat little thing. But at the same time, there's there's so much that because the people who made this film, there's not a commentary track like what Wakefield Pool would do. We're left with all these questions of just like, well, what did you mean by this? And what exactly were you going like? Yeah. Did you did you want me to get turned on by this or did you want me to be thinking about something completely different? I think that? that and I think that's so interesting that this was in Taxi Driver. And I think if Betsy had sat through the first movie or if she had seen this first, I think yes. she would have had a very, very different reaction. And I think it's so I'm so curious, too, with the team behind Taxi Driver, because I don't know who chose the films for the marquee. I don't I'm not sure if that was in the the script, like that he had a movie in mind or if that was just a name they could get the rights to or like I'm not sure how that that went. But I'm very interested in that because the two films like the film that him and Betsy are actually watching is one of those classic old school white coder pre-golden era films when it was illegal to make porn and the only way you could put an explicit sex scene on a screen is by saying that it was an educational sex education film so the clip that they see in the theater you know like when when we're watching the movie what they're watching is it's like a weird narration it almost looks like you're looking in like a little microscope at like a sperm and like you know just like nothing spicy you know before you put the penis inside the vagina you want to stimulate the clitoris yeah totally not hot at all and then they pair that movie with this fucking sag legit you know like two opposite ends of the spectrum like one like pre-golden age one like in the midst of this like can porn be cinema you know and two films that are approaching this topic in a completely different way but essentially trying to figure out how can we take porn and make it palatable how can we take porn and make it socially acceptable to watch yeah and it's and it's wild because like i feel like this movie is almost smack dab in the middle of that little ideological tug of war that was going on where you had hollywood saying that well you can have sexual content in movies but if the movie is primarily about the sexual content that it's not a legitimate film and the porn industry saying, like, we can have sex scenes in our movies, explicit sex scenes, but also have a good story and be a good film. And just the two sides butting heads. And it's bizarre because it's just like, you guys are kind of doing the same thing. And if you can just find, like, the perfect way to meet in the middle, this would work. And that's kind of at the heart of every single time I say, like, the balance of, like, you know, sex and story that something like Dixie Ray, which is a movie about old school Hollywood, and finding just diegetic ways to show a sex scene happening because you know that like sex scandals and all these explicit sexual relationships are happening. And it's just like, yeah, just, just show them in a natural sort of way, in a way that's entertaining to watch, but in a way that also makes sense because people can either be like, yeah, no, I can see that happening or like literally I've had a similar experience to that. But then I feel like this movie went too far 
in the other direction that it made the sex scenes so natural that they're actually not sexy and totally drag, you know? And let's talk about that for a second because the thing is, so when I watched the first cut of it, part of the thing that bothered me was at certain points it was so dark I couldn't see what was going on. Oh my God, okay, yes, I want to talk about that too. That was my first response watching the film the first time like a year and a half ago actually when i first moved in here yeah it was like i was like wow i have my own place i'm recently single and i'm gonna watch porn on the tv in the middle of the day (laughs) and i put this movie on (laughs) and you're like squinting you're like what's going on i can't okay is the brightness down what the fuck i'm glad that you pointed this out because i didn't know if my dvd sucks or if maybe there's no good version of this film out 50 years later, like everything is kind of a recovered print or whatever, or if this movie was just poorly done. Because for as legit as they claim to be, there are boom mics popping into frame Mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah. (laughs) And they clearly did not have a lighting guy because there are some scenes that are so dark that you cannot tell what's going on. And it is, like, difficult to see. And I, I will say... Being a little bit positive here, I really like the stark visual contrast between Susan's memories and fantasies that all take place outside, um, except the traumatic memory, you know. But every yeah. other every other thing, when we're in her head, it's always like outside in a field, and it's bright and it's daytime, and then well, just it's also, it's, that with it's the, slowed down and it's kind of like dreamlike. But even when it shows. So whenever it's supposed to be a good memory, like, it's slowed down and uh, it's lit in a certain way. I mean, like, they're using a lot of natural light, so that helps. But it's very clear, because when it shows her having sex with Harry Reams, like, that's clearly a fantasy that she's having. Mm -hmm. And they did a good job of making sure that that lighting pretty much matched the lighting when she's running around playing Frisbee with Johnny. Which, I gotta just say slight roast I think that the outdoor scenes are really beautiful Mm -hmm. I actually did like them but it got really repetitive especially the the ones with the boyfriend I felt like I was watching a fucking eHarmony commercial because it's like no dialogue all music and like really sappy music oh the music Okay. Yeah, it's that's an, another thing. It's an original score, mm-hmm. um, and Sean Harris did s- some of the performance on it. Really? I know. I was confused because it's a guy singing, but I don't know if she's backup singer at some points or something. Yeah. But she was involved with that part of it. I think this is the thing that really will make the film stick with me for a lot longer was the original music that was made for it. I mean, it's not stuff that I'm going to go out and listen to on my own, but like when I think of the movie, the soundtrack's going to be in my head. It kind of similar lot. to the yeah. way that that Deep Throat was. Yeah. So it, that's interesting note about uh, Sean Harris being part of that. Um, yeah, because it was like Mike Marshall or something was was the guy who um, composed the music for this. Okay. There's like three or five original songs yeah. that he made for it. Uh, But the other thing is, too, when it is her having a bad memory, so when she's, you know, reminiscing on um, the way that her stepfather abused her, uh, the lighting in that is, like, it's sort of, like, uh, hellish, like, you know, horror kind of lighting. But the rape scene at the end of the movie, that is a straight-up 
they take her to a rape barn. And it's shot very much like a fucking horror movie. Between between the way that that was shot, uh, the casting that they had for the two rapists, the music, and the editing, they knew what they were doing. Like, they mm-hmm. clearly, like, there was a level of competence to what they were doing that, you know, it makes everything else so much more frustrating because it's like, if you guys would have just thought about this a little bit more and maybe had a few, like a better director and, and a couple more people working with you, like a fucking actual lighting person, yeah. some, you know, a production manager to just be like, hey, this is what you guys are going to need for this in order to make it work. It would have turned out so much better. Yeah. And just for Harry Reams alone, like he deserved that. Like he deserved to have a film beyond Deep Throat to where people remember him. Yeah, it is so sad. He did want to be a a mainstream actor at one point, you know? Yeah. And, like, he has a theater background. Like, he took a bunch of acting classes. Like, he was doing Shakespeare. Like, he is a legitimately good, like, trained actor. And as much as he did consider these films like legit and he would you know he would tell people like we talked about it in the deep throat episode like him correcting people of like you know him being proud of his work and like not letting anyone downplay that you know but i think like i think in in his mind he had no shame in what he was doing he was proud of his work he was you know excited by these roles and these films but i think it did weigh on him like the perception from other people and he was for a time being considered to play the coach in greece and that was going to be like a huge opportunity for him and he was super super excited and then someone in the studio was just like absolutely fucking not like yeah it doesn't matter that he's nailing it like we are not having the deep throat guy in this movie like are you kidding me and after that, he just it really went downhill. Like, he was drinking and, like, was in a really bad place for a while. Like, because he, he felt like he was a legit actor. He wasn't, like, ashamed about the films he'd done. But, like, it really affected him, like, the way that he was being treated by, you know, the, the industry. Well, and my experience in theater is that um, it's not uncommon to have a theater performer who's just so comfortable with their their body and like realizing that like my voice, my body, my face, they're all extensions of my identity as an actor. They're all tools that I use to put across a performance. And so like, you know, my physical like nude body is part of it. And like that's something that if you do enough theater productions, you get just used to seeing your your uh, co-stars or co-workers in their underwear sometimes nude and it just isn't a thing because at that point it's not sexualized because it's just like yeah this is just your your tool this is part of the performance and then you know also like the most provocative thing that you can do sometimes is to display yourself display your actor in full stark nakedness because that's just a reminder of, like, they are human. Oh, God, that was, like, the best thing ever. I did some props and stuff for a production of View Carey, amazing mm-hmm. Tennessee Williams play. But there is a part where one of the characters is nude, and that was, like, pretty crazy for me. Like, I was in, in college, and, like, this guy is 
naked in a room with a bunch of us, you know? And, like, it was such a, like, it was not even a sexual scene. Like, he drops his robe, and he's being vulnerable, and he's, like, he's, like, I want you to look at me, like, you know? And then and he's, like, what do you want? He's, like, I just want you to hold me. And it's so devastating. And, like, you know, like, it's this, it was a gnarly scene. And it was crazy, like, just seeing, you know, this actor, like, just go there, you know? And being in the room at that rehearsal, I was like, oh, my God, you know? Like, it was phenomenal. That was, like, one of the best plays I've ever fucking seen. Yeah, and when done right, it can be very powerful. Like, the sad thing is, and I think that's, you know, at least for me, part of the reason why I enjoy doing this and talking about these movies is I've always been against like the shaming of sexual expression. Yeah. And it is something to where, you know, when you watch a movie and it gets to a point to where there is a sex scene and there's two ways that, you know, they'll tend to go about it whenever it comes to like a mainstream movie. And it is either they'll show a certain amount of nudity and it'll be very suggestive in the way that the actors are moving their body and like thrusting together and it's almost always like you'll see a, you'll see the actress's breast. Uh, you'll see maybe both the the male and female actors' buns. Uh, very rarely do you ever see like full frontal nudity, and it's just to me that's kind of insane because it's just like, I mean, are you saying that if you show that that is going to like have some sort of profound effect on my mind? that is going to warp me so that I can no longer function as a normal human being because I'm pretty goddamn sure I'll be fine. I've seen other people naked. I've seen myself naked my entire goddamn life. If I see two people fucking on screen, it's not going to destroy me as a person. And, you know, like that's something that was really bold about, you know, the fact that during this time period, there were legit consequences. Harry Reams himself got arrested multiple times because he was a porn actor. And, you know, as bad as that was, the worst thing about it was the fact that nobody would give him a legitimate chance to be an actor. Like, roles like in Greece, he didn't get those roles because of his affiliation with porn. And because he was willing to you know, use his sexuality, his nakedness as part of his performance as an actor. And, like, that that just, like, that shit, like, bothers me. Yeah, that really bothers me, too. And, like, it's it's interesting because, like, there was, there was a, a, it was a TikTok that I saw recently, but it was first a clip from some kind of daytime talk show. And there was a woman on there, and she was making the point that, like, you know, people want to sex shame uh, women and, and men, too, for having an OnlyFans. She's like, but having an OnlyFans is less of a... It's it's really not that different. In fact, it might not even be as bad as selling your body to the military. And then the TikTok cuts to a soldier sitting in uniform inside his car. And he starts to respond to it. And then it just shows him, like, kind of thinking about it. And it gets to a point where you're just like, no, yeah, they're right. Like, you know, because like, it's one thing to sit there and like, to show your body off, to basically exploit yourself for other people's gratification. Whereas like, when you're literally like, sacrificing your body, your life to serve someone else's purposes, someone else's needs, it's like, 
why is one considered noble and you know we we feel the need to like thank strangers for this invisible service that they provide us whereas you know if i'm jacketed on camera you know for 50 bucks on a webcam there's something wrong with me and that's shameful that is a hot topic yeah, I I feel like we're taking a bit of it. <laughs> that's my take, and I'm standing by it. But but that's yeah, fair. That's fair. you know, going back to like how it just kind of ties in with this. Yeah, like I I don't think that you know Harry Reams and other actors deserve to be blacklisted because no, they not. they acted in porn films. I think that's fucked up. That's what's shameful. Yeah, I agree. And then also like how it relates to the movie itself. What happens to you know Susan Sandra in the movie is just that. Yeah, she was she was used and exploited by her stepfather and then that just, you know, created this schism in her mind to where she just kind of used her own exploitation to her advantage and then unfortunately like it just took a really harsh turn for her. Yeah. Cuz the whole thing that like when she gets lured to the the rape barn, it's because these two guys like offer her 40 bucks to come in and have sex with them. Yeah, that is, like, kind of a gnarly... I mean, obviously, that whole fucking scene is gnarly. Which I gotta also say, as we're talking about the tastefulness and the way that this film is being shot and stuff, like, the way they shoot that sequence is, like, so clearly, like, not... Obviously, not trying to be sexy, but also not even really giving the audience, like... I don't want to use the word enjoyment, but, like, not even giving them the experience of, like, witnessing this thing, you know? Like, it is shot in a way where it's like constantly cutting to you know facial expressions or cutting from the scene to one of her memories or to a flashback or now it's like her father's face then it's like the nurse's face like cutting to the hospital cutting to you know it's very choppy the music is super trippy and the only times when they do show the actual event it's like a three second shot zoomed out so you really are just seeing essentially the storytelling of the positioning as opposed to like yeah it's almost like her viewing herself from outside of her body because it's so traumatic and horrific she can't be inside her body while she's being violated like this yeah it's fucking gnarly it's a gnarly movie yeah so i want to try to figure out like what kind of went wrong here because I feel like the acting Harry Reams and Sean Harris are crushing it I feel like as heavy as the story is like it's a good premise for a dramatic film you know I feel like the script is actually pretty solid I think the script is very odd though because it's there's so much banter in it like, yeah. the entire script is composed of banter, which it, it, I'm trying it to... It is, at times, very much, like, community theater play. It does feel like that, which there you know, is... Like really some... solid community theater actors, and they're they're doing their roles and everything. It's just that, in the middle of it, there's this... There's a superstar in fucking Harry Reams. Like, okay, so... I, we got way off topic, but I brought up the fucking wife. I feel like I gotta get into that a little <laughs> bit. This, again the lack of of direction in this film and the lack of like understanding of what are we even doing here what type of movie is this you know because it is bizarre that like next to this traumatic fucking scene is just everybody busting each other's balls for an hour you know yeah. like it's super weird how light 
all the dialogue is with what's is, going on. It is wild because, like, the experience that uh, Nurse Carrie and especially Sandra are having is completely different than the experience everybody else is having. For everybody else, this is just another day in their lives. Yeah. And him and his chick, like, okay, because, like, what you were saying, like, oh, is he... You made it sound like there's more interesting stuff going on in this movie than there is. Well, like, that's what you have to do. I know, I know. <laughs> to but get like, through the movie, you have like, to start, like... Imagining, okay, like, what he's thinking. Like, Is there more to the story? Like, am I supposed to be trying to investigate this story on my own? Or am I literally doing it because there's not enough going on in the film? It's only, like, surface know. deep for the most part. So, so like, okay, so your statement here of, like, oh, his life his relationship is getting too mundane and now he's thinking about all this spicy shit at work or whatever that would have been a more interesting dynamic because the what i'm getting with his chick is like i don't think he's actually bored with her I th- they're just roasting each other they literally are just roasting each other the no, whole he's time not, he's not unhappy and in his like, marriage but then that is so ridiculous too because like the same way that fucking i i okay hold on i think that this <laughs> filmmaker does not know how to explore relationship dynamics at all. I think he has a decent, good job, I would say, of writing a character. Mm-hmm. Like, what Susan internally is dealing with, I think, is portrayed very effectively. I think what Mark, Harry Reem's character, is his whole struggle of this case and this job, I think that that's done pretty effectively, too. And I know those two actors are bringing it, but I think there's something there for them to work with, okay? But the relationships between the characters, they don't know what to do with that. So him and his wife, the first time they, like, we see the two of them together, it's like, like, what the fuck are they even saying to each other? It's just like, oh, they're, they're constantly just like being sarcastic <laughs> and like, oh, I guess somebody's coming home tonight, finally, you know? And literally, that's how she talks. Like, she'll be like, I guess I'll just get in the shower myself. <laughs> like, no. that is what she sounds like. It's like that, but more annoying. It's she's just so like, she's like, oh, I guess you're finally home, huh? Like, you know, like, like they're playing the She's dynamic. like Lois Griffin from Family Guy. Oh, God. You know, like, like that level of like annoying voice. And then it's made even worse because the fucking audio on this is so bad. Like it sounds like whatever transfer they got of this on the version I saw, it was like it was recorded in mono and they just doubled it. Because mm. um, there was a lot of the first version I watched was so bad. The second version I watched it was like, okay, it's a little bit, the audio is a little bit better, but it was, it was pretty bad. And every time she talked, it was so bad because it just seemed like she was in an empty room and just fucking her annoying ass voice is just bouncing off every single flat surface around her. Um, and there's just no, like, it, it's like. Okay, we because the first interaction is is her busting his balls and him kind of teasing her back. Yeah, he's or like, calling oh, okay, her a, live, they, a sleep in maid or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like oh, they tease each other. Look at them; they're such a fun couple. They're so comfortable with each other, you know. But then it's like literally every interaction is that, and I'm like, do you guys ever have like an authentic moment together, or are you like that's the thing to where it's just like, other? do you guys low key hate each other? Because yeah. that's kind of how and it feels. I think what it is. Is like okay, like with Sex World, a really good example of Joan and Jerry. 
we see them being playful with each other. We see them being frisky with each other. And we see them being, like, chill with each other. And then we see them being unchill later on. But, like, you know, like, we see, like, I believe that that was a couple who was, at the end of the day, like, they're turning off the games or whatever. And then they just sit well, like, together and with, it's like, I, I see them as just, like, you know. Even with Millie and Ralph, it's, like, clear that, like, hey... This is a relationship to where you get so much just based on how they react to each other. And with this, they could just literally just be like, maybe we should get divorced. Okay, that sounds good. Anyway, you want to have dinner tonight? Yeah! You guys don't give a shit about anything. Like, everything in your life is perfect, but at the same time, like, you don't seem especially thrilled about where your life is right now. I don't think that they had, the writer, director had any idea of what are these people like? Well, like what are their personalities what are their yeah. what would they do on just a regular night in or like how did they meet or like you could tell that like none of these things had been thought about why are they interested in each other is it just that they find each other attractive like that's what it seemed like it was just like we're attracted to each other and we have like a little like chemistry and a little banter but it's like there felt like there was no foundation here and it's like I don't feel like the personality of the wife, like, I don't even think the the actress could tell you, like, anything about this chick. Yeah. You know? And I feel like that's where you have the foundation of, of making for a deeper, more interesting film, because then you can start to get into, like, you know, here's Mark, and he's a psychologist, and he seemingly has the perfect life with a great wife and everything, but then he meets Susan, and all of a sudden he realizes that there's this whole other world out there and he starts to feel things he hasn't felt in a long time and like start to go down that path to where he's just like okay um i'm really interested in helping this woman susan and he starts to develop like like either you have him develop feelings toward her or realize that he has feelings toward her but what really brings her out of her shell is her attraction to him and how much she reminds him of a time reminds her of a time to where she was happier with this guy Johnny and like that's where she starts to come out of her shell and you have in the middle of the movie you have the revelation that there is no Susan it's always been Sandra Susan is an invention of 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 Sandra as a result of this horrific of these horrific things that happened to her and then from there you start to use their relationship as a way to help repair this broken woman and sort of merge the two personalities together to make one whole person that can function and reclaim her own life. That's how you make this a more interesting movie. Mm-hmm. And you, you take it to a point to where like Mark has to make a decision, you know, in the same way that she seduced her nurse and her nurse definitely like they don't explore enough. The fact that her nurse did something. That oh she yeah. We totally just fucking, yeah, glossed over that, and, and it and it sucks too because it's just like, hey, man, I love girl on girl scenes. There was nothing in this for me. Like the only thing I felt about this was like, man, that's fucked up, and she shouldn't have done that. Agreed. Not chill. I was thinking to myself, like as I was watching it, I'm like, you know what? This is showing some good acting on behalf of the the nurse of the mm-hmm. person playing her because in like the first scene, you see the nurse. She reminds me of uh, Janet in Rocky Horror, of yeah. Susan Sarandon. Yeah. So I was getting that vibe. And, like, she has this kind of, like, timidness, like, sweet, but not kind of feels like 
okay, this is what we're supposed to do. Like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do it. You know, yeah. like that was her vibe. It's like she Sandra was... is coming on her and she's like, hey, I, I don't feel like we're supposed to do this. And then she's like, no, but we totally should. And she's like, well, I mean, okay, I guess if this is what we're doing. <laughs> like... <laughs> I, I mean, if that's what you want, sure. I feel like that well, was the vibe. And the other thing about it, to, to really illustrate like how poorly done the sex scenes were, the only way I could tell who was going down on whom in that scene was Sandra has tan lines and Nurse Carrie does not. Oh my God, the tan is wild. Yeah. Yeah, she. <laughs> they, they make reference to it on, on the back of the DVD that you have. Let me just read this. Sometime Sweet Susan, 1978, which it was 1975. Um, <laughs> Sometime Sweet Susan was the first explicit film to have a SAG cast. One Shot Wonder, Sean Harris, who has great tan lines to go with the gorgeous rest of herself, plays a female lead. An institutionalized Susan who schizos into Sandra, which that's not even accurate. Problematic. Harry Reams is the head man trying to deal with a schizophrenic patient and her background involving torture and molestation and prostitution. Like, that's your description for the movie. I love that it's like, it takes an immediate shift. It's which, like, hot, bod, but also, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> She's as hot as she is nuts, folks. And troubled. But Harry Reeves is going to straighten her out. Maybe with his dick, maybe with his doctor skills. You'll have to watch it to find out. Or neither, it turned out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so, shit, what were we saying? The whole nurse scene... Like, okay, so one of the things about the nurse, um, this is where I was kind of like, okay, yeah, like this this actress is actually trying to give you something. At the very beginning, it starts off, Susan's having a bad dream, she wakes up screaming. And then the orderly comes in to check on her, and that gives her a flashback to what happened to her just before she ended up institutionalized. When Nurse Carrie comes in there... The way that she's kind of acting, again, she's mostly timid throughout the film, but the way she's treating this orderly, it very much gives off the impression that this orderly is fucking around with the patients, is molesting patients. I was getting patients. that vibe, too. Yeah. And she's like, what are you doing in here? And he's like, I'm just trying to get her to calm down. And she's just like, you need to get the fuck out of here, you yeah. know? And so with that, like, the way that she goes from being assertive there to immediately... When Dr. Mark comes in, she's just like, well, I was, I was trying to help her doctor. And, you know, just how warm he is trying to comfort both her and then also the nurse. I was like, okay, there's there's a cool, like, dynamic thing going on here. It doesn't get carried throughout the rest of the film. You know, that's where they really need to get into more of just, like, how is uh, Dr. Mark going to help her? And how is his relationship with her, how is that going to change him as a person? And then also, like, how does, how do we get the sense that walking away, Sandra is now a more complete person who's in better shape than when she started off? We just don't get that, and that's where the film fails. Yeah. And I think about at this point, I've said all I can say about this. What about you? I know. I kind of think so, too. I'm che- I was checking my notes. I think, yeah, like, there's really not a lot to say about this movie, which I suppose maybe this was a poor choice in film on my part. But. Well, I feel like we, we've, we've gotten a lot of content out of it. Like, the thing is, for me, um, good or bad, I feel like a movie's definitely accomplished something if it gets me to think about it after I'm done watching it. 
And certainly yeah. this did get me to think about it after I finished watching it. Um, it's it's probably like out of all the movies we watched at this point, it, it's the last. It comes yeah. in last place. Um, but, you know, it's still... There are some things about it, and I think the most redeeming thing about it is the fact that there is potentially a much, much better film that could have been made had they really attempted to make the best movie they could have. Yeah, I think for me, like I said, like the reason I wanted to talk about this is not because there's anything in the film that I think is particularly interesting or compelling or enjoyable, you know? I'm, I'm more just interested in the way that we think think about film like and in this moment in time like how people were thinking about it and i feel like them trying so hard to be legitimate like literally the whole marketing campaign of this movie is like saying that it's sag saying that it's a real movie like it's like an interview with with sean harris and like she's it's actually kind of a cool interview but she's saying like her whole thing is like you know like well they're like, well, what would you say to someone who says that this isn't a real movie because it has sex in it? Well, Last Tango in Paris had sex in it, and that just won an Oscar. You know, like, saying it all kind of snarky, you know? Yeah. Which, like, that's a whole fucking thing right there. I feel like we got to talk about that movie at some point. we got to yeah. watch that movie at some point. I've never it's seen it. It's on our watch list. I know. Yeah. I feel like we Which, need to watch it. Speaking of our watch list, hey, listeners, vibetalking at gmail.com. If you want to send us any suggestions for things that you feel like we should check out or you like to hear us uh, talk about on the podcast. And then also... Or I'm just going to pick another shit movie like this and nobody's <laughs> going to help. Yeah, you're going right? to leave it up to us? Come on. Get off your asses. Tell us what to watch. But Tell us it, what you want us to talk give about. Give me a good suggestion. Something yeah. that we would want. Don't send us shit suggestions. <laughs> I'll find out where you are, okay? You don't want that. Alright, take it easy. I, I don't want to spend the gas. Basically what I'm trying to say. Like, like, be cool. If I can't comfortably Uber, I'm not coming. It's not happening. <laughs> Look, if you don't live down the hall from me, I'm not going to come visit you. So don't worry about even it. Then, it's an empty threat, even okay? Then, you I can relax. I might have shit going on. I might be a little busy. I might be a little guess is expensive i'm lazy i don't like to leave my house i'm scared of the outside world scrap it all i just want to stay at home and watch movies and maybe pop over to my friend's house and fucking record a podcast i hope you're happy you're welcome God. But yeah, this fucking movie though. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Oh, my closing my closing remark. I feel like them trying so hard to be a legitimate movie made it like less of a legitimate movie. Because this is not a particularly memorable, impactful this movie did not have the same kind of effect as Deep Throat or Devil Miss Jones, you know? Those movies were doing something, and despite my critiques of Devil Miss Jones, like, there's some really fucking good stuff in there. All of these things are, like, committing to something, and I feel like it's kind of the same way of, you know, when people are, don't consider comedy to be a real movie, you know? It's like, are you a comedian? Or are you, like, an actor-actor, you know? And it's like, why is a comedic actor not an actor? You know, why is an adult film actor not an actor? Or why is an actor, like, a soap opera actor, oh, that's not, like, a real actor. Like, there's so much bullshit of, like, what is a real actor and what is, like, a legit movie. And it's, like, so the only thing that can be fine art is, like, a bland, serious movie with, like, subdued performances, you know? I mean, I think that we have gotten to a point where movies can be 
just about anything. You have somebody like Harmony Corinne. Is the stuff that Harmony Corinne makes movies, or is it just exploitation caught on film? And no, like I think anytime it goes back to, I think we said this on our episode of Deep Throats, but what your dude might have said to you, whereas like I feel like this isn't a real movie, and it's like, look, if you set out to tell a story visually and you are able to, at some level, successfully pull that off, that to me is a movie. Whether or not you like it, like that's the rest of it is, is purely subjective. Yeah. But objectively, if you sit out and you're like, this is what my intentions are, and you mostly manage to accomplish that, then yeah, like you successfully made a movie. But I feel like these guys like cockblocked themselves, like no, by they, having this mindset. Because I feel now did like, they make a good movie? That's the thing we're talking about here. Yeah, no, they didn't and, really make a good movie. I think that their quest to be legitimate, serious, highbrow art just made them like, okay, well, we can't make the sex too spicy then, and we can't make it too silly, even though we have all these jokes in the script, and we can't make it too too over the top. We know Harry Reams likes to overact, you know? Like, they basically just, like, took all the things that would make this an enjoyable movie and we're like, okay, we have to scale it back a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's Whereas fault if, is in being mediocre and not not really trying to push it as far as they could. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying that this movie needs to be deep throat, because it's obviously not, you know? Like, the content of it is completely different, and, like, the tone is completely different. But, like, let's see Harry Reams lose his shit because he's so stressed out about this patient in this case and like let's see him getting visibly stressed or anxious or like super excited when he has a breakthrough like this guy like can give like these big compelling performances and they are often comedic but they don't have to be you know and like I feel like they like I feel like he's doing a really good job here I'm not giving him shit but I kind of feel like the film asked him to like okay we're gonna keep it kind of mellow Tone of this movie is kind of mellow and i think that that is like a disservice to him as a performer and to the film you know and like i think that the sex scenes in this movie needed a little bit more motivation i think that they needed a little more like structure you know and they needed a little bit more lighting a lot more lighting and a lot more build up and i feel like they didn't do any of those things because they're like oh there just happens to be sex in this movie and it's like, you shouldn't make a movie that just happens to have anything. Oh, there just happened to be a joke in this movie. Oh, there just happened to be an action sequence. It's like, no, like, yeah. if you're putting something in a movie, like, do it purposefully. Don't just be like, oh, the sex doesn't matter. Like, that's the point we're trying to make is the sex doesn't matter. And it's like, the sex does matter. You're making a pornographic film. It doesn't have to all be about sex, but, like, there's a reason why that is in this film you know and like that can be a different reason depending on the film you know like not everything just has to be like fucking jerk off bait but like are you using it to like really highlight this brutality are you using it to really highlight the you know give us a a a new understanding of the relationship between the couple are you using it to show a person's emotional state when they're at their most vulnerable you know like whatever you're doing with the sex whatever the goal is here commit and fucking do it don't just be like oh and then they fucked okay back to the story which is totally what they're doing here and I, I think that they just played everything so safe that it 
didn't let anything be exceptional or memorable. And I think that's kind of a bummer. I think that we got to, like, let go of that mindset. Like, not even talking about just, like, porn as, like, legitimate film. Because, obviously, we've made our case. We've, you know, how we feel about it. But, like, I, I feel like the idea of, like, seriousness and, like, neutrality being the way to go. Because that's how it is, like, with all the fucking Oscar movies and all the, you know, it's, like, not that that is, like, the defining characteristic of a good film, you know, of course not. But, like, you know, like, there's a certain type of movie that is given a level of prestige that other types of films are not. Yeah. You know, in mainstream film as well. And, like, that irritates me. I don't like that. I feel like these guys should have just went hard and just made a wild fucking movie. Yeah, the sad thing is is that they seemingly set out to say that, well, you know, movies with sex in it can also be good, legitimate movies. And then they just fucking half-assed it and failed to hit their marks. And they kind of proved, you know, all the haters right. No one would give a shit about this movie if it wasn't for the fact that, one, Harry Reams, two, it has a brief cameo in Taxi Driver. And even still, like, if it didn't have that cameo in Taxi Driver, I seriously doubt we are sitting here right now talking about it. We might eventually get around to it if we keep doing this long enough, but it wouldn't be the eighth, the ninth film that we cover on this. And honestly, like, uh, if not for the performances of Harry Reams and Georgina Spelvin in uh, Devil and Miss Jones, those performances alone are what elevates that movie past this. Yeah. And then also there's there's some other interesting ideas in that movie that make it more interesting and, you know, stick with me more than, than this movie does. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it was so much wasted potential. Like that's the really frustrating thing for me. It, it could have been really good. The sex scenes that you have, and it could have like made a statement more so than like just being there to arouse me visually. Just there wasn't enough thoughtfulness to it, you know. Yeah, it was bland. Mm-hmm. Bland is almost the worst thing that a movie can be, to be honest. Bland, boring, and forgettable. That's there. Those are things you don't want to be. I know. I'm trying to think. I want. I feel like I want to give a compliment. I feel like I want to give a a positive. I want to end on a positive note. I hope Harry Reams got paid pretty well. I think Harry Reams rocked. I gotta just say random, but like Sean Harris has beautiful nails, and every blowjob was great. Um, (laughs) No, I'm like been really noticing it because I've been taking the fucking biotin because I've never been able to have nails in my life. And I'm finally growing them, and I'm so excited about it. Yeah. So I'm, like, noticing. Hey, and for me, you know, like, I, I love tan lines, man. Like, I don't She's know. She's cute. Yeah. I like her. I like her. I mean, like, it definitely was, like, uncomfortable just being, like, this woman's a victim, so I should not sexualize her. But, you know, she does look good, like... Uh, sorry. I was more just thinking, I'm like, these are two just, like, you know, I I didn't find the movie, like, spicy or hot at all, but I'm Mm -hmm. like, these are, like, two, like, beautiful people. I would love to see a movie that is more in the vein of, like, Deep Throat with with the two of them together, because I think they would have, like, some great, like, chemistry, both in just their one-on-one scenes, but then also, like, in sex scenes. God, I know. There are some just good actors. Good actors. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are doing our part to try and, you know, keep the memory alive and get people to see these movies for what they are, even if we are criticizing them. I think, you know, if any of the stuff that we said interested you, definitely 
check this movie yeah, out. Yeah, would you recommend it? Would you recommend this movie to anyone? Yeah, I would recommend, like, if you saw the... If you watch Taxi Driver and you're like, hmm, I wonder what those movies are about. Definitely, like, don't see Swedish Marriage Counselor or whatever. Because um, <laughs> that wasn't even the movie that was in there. But but check out Sometimes Sweet Susan. I'm not sure if I would recommend it. I mean, okay. I recommended it to you. Totally but like, fair. I, you know what? I, I just don't want... I Don't I, watch the version I watched initially. Don't watch the Tube Porn Classics version, which I think is the rated R version. Don't watch that. Try to watch the longer version. That's the better version. I would recommend this movie to people who are fascinated by this time period. Mm-hmm. If you're really, really interested in this genre and time, then like, yes, watch it because I think it's in- like we were saying, interesting to think about how they were thinking about this movie. I think that's interesting. Yeah. If you are not that into this. I feel like you're going to get literally nothing out of this movie. You know what I mean? I think if you are just watching it like, oh, is it a good movie to watch? I think it's a little bit boring. I think if you love Harry Reams, watch it. I think if you... If you you like tan lines. If you like film history or whatever, sure. But like, if you're just looking for something fun to watch or something like moving to watch, like, this is just not it. Like... Definitely don't watch it. Like, if you have, like, any sexual trauma in your life or if any of that is do triggering to you, it. do not watch it because it will get really uncomfortable. But if you're also doing a movie and chill, don't put this movie on. Don't be like Travis Bickle. Like, it's not going to go well for you, you know. Damn. Sorry, right. guys. Any shout-outs you got? Any shout-outs? What do I got going on? Oh, Fringe is over. We're back. We came back from Arizona and our play won an award. Just Award winner we were the, right here. We were the best ensemble show at the Tucson Fringe Festival. And that means we are going to continue traveling with it. And we're going to keep trying to take it places. So we will be going to Joshua Tree in May and maybe Minnesota in August. We'll see. Waiting to hear mm. back about that. But yeah, I guess we'll keep the updates of where we're going to be. So that's exciting. Right on. Um, and a website is in the works as well. So perhaps by next month, you guys can go to goodvibescinema.com. <laughs> but in the meantime, the Instagram is popping. The TikTok and Twitter exist. Yes. <laughs> and There might even be a YouTube from Oh, there is. Hearing. You're right. There is a YouTube. But on the YouTube is all the same shit that's on Instagram. So I don't know. It's like there's, I guess we could plug all of the things, but there's yeah. not a lot of different things amongst each one (laughs) yeah but i mean stay tuned because we are we are putting out more content by the time you hear this we we might have some new and interesting stuff on there and yeah sure a lot of it's redundant but that just gives you options yeah and it's all good stuff so whatever you know of course good vibe hq you know instagram vibe talking on instagram vibe talking on uh twitter so you can find us there and if you want to interact with me, like, that's pretty much the best way to hit me up. Like I said, you know, vibetalking at gmail.com. If you have a good phone sex script. Yes, let's bring that back. We yeah. need that. Yeah, we need to just start doing some funny shit, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, we're working on coming up with some uh, content for that. So, you know, just stay tuned throughout the year. And uh, definitely if you've got any positive feedback for us or if you've got any suggestions... Send them to us and we'll at least look at it. 
Frame it if it's a five-star review. <laughs> Put it on the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for me. All right, good night, guys. Have a good one.